3. Uh, Romans is actually found in the New Testament. And it's right after the book of Acts. And it tells us in Romans chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from their heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. And this famous verse 23, many memorize. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come now at the time in the worship of the preaching of the word. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to go before us. Let everything that is said here, Lord, be for your glory and your glory alone. Let me not exalt myself. Let me not make this about me. But Lord, let me preach your word faithfully. Lord, I am so weak, Lord. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need your help. So Lord, help me as I preach your word. And not only me, Lord, help your people as they attend to your word, Lord. Lord, let your word fall on fertile ground that sprout up life. That sprout up, Lord, a life, Lord, that is molding and conforming to you. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to allow your word to go forward in power, that many can be enriched here this morning. So, bless us in your truth and give us your truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Remember, as a kid, um, well, I guess I don't remember when I was that young, but as I see in little um, Trinity, as now she had moved from just laying in the bed with mom to now getting on the floor and now scooting. The other morning I was in the bed and I didn't want to get up too early and I looked over and I said, well, I can take a longer nap and Trinity is not going to be at the end of this bed. I know she's not going to move this fast. So I can sleep for another five or 10 minutes and by the time 10 minutes hit, she'll be at the edge of the bed and I can grab her, right? So I got like a 10 minutes cushion 
in this within this nap time, right? I can I can take before she gets to the end of the bed. Um, well, it didn't take anything but like 30 seconds. And she was like at the end of the bed. I, I woke up and I was able to grab the end of her leg. I hope CPS is not listening to this. And I was able to grab her. And I said, wow, this girl is starting to move, starting to crawl. And, and I remember again, she was at one stage in life and, you know, she really couldn't move as much. So we was holding her as when she was first born. Now she's starting to school. And I think about my other kids. They were starting to scoot, then they're starting to pull up, and they're you know, starting to walk and run, and, and they're starting to do all these things as they get older and older. But what does that look like for us as adults in here that are healthy? I know some might have some disabilities, but for those that are healthy in this room, what if we start back kind of acting like a baby? People are looking at like, what are you doing? Why are you crawling over the floor, you know? You know, you're too old for that to do those certain things. You start to be leery about, you know, why are you doing those certain things? Because now you are older, you're mature, you, you are a person now a lot different from what you used to be. I know it might be kind of a, a corny transition in this, but I think Paul, in a similar way, you know, for us being now new creatures in Christ, by being in Christ, we look different. It's, it's something different about us. We don't look the same, and we don't do the same things we used to do. If we do, we don't enjoy doing those things anymore. I know we, we, we kind of hate doing those things. Now, what we used to do before we came to Christ. But by us being in Christ now, we now are different. And Paul here in Romans 6. Again, I think Martin Lloyd-Jones has been very helpful with Romans um, study. Uh, many people have used Romans 6 and 7, even 5, and they have approached Romans 5, 6, and 7 as more of a text that deals with only like sanctification. God is sanctified and doesn't make them more like himself. But the Dr. Jones was encouraging the way of that Paul is getting at our insurance in Christ. Assurance in Christ. He's letting us know that this is who you are in Christ. This is who you are. You're something different now. And it's important to know our identity. Because we don't know our identity. We'll be looking to the world for our identity. And that's what we see in our society now. How many people that are professing Christians, that for them is that being a Christian is not enough, is that the worldly things give more attention or give more type of a platform by looking more like the world. So a lot of time, all of us in this room at times, we try to find ourselves looking to the world for a certain identity. It might not be the same things. But we all in this room struggle with this. Working in corporate America, working at a, at a certain job, you, you might at times want to fit in with coworkers to, 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 to be able to, to feel included in that particular moment. Um, in basketball, right? At times when me and Jake was getting buckets, sometimes you might want to fit in with us and be on our team. Sometimes people want to do those sort of things. Most of you all probably want that. I think me and Jacob had noticed that over the years, over the months. But a lot of times that we try to find identity in things in this world. Well, Paul is writing this to encourage the Roman church. He encouraging that we're not ashamed of the gospel. We don't have to be afraid of Rome. 
We don't have to be afraid of the Judaizers. We don't have to be afraid of these things that might be before us. We're not ashamed because look what Christ has done for us. He brought us from death to life. The greatest news ever that we were enslaved to sin, but now we're in Christ. So Paul is reminded that we have so many reasons not to be ashamed. We, don't have, we have so many reasons not to be ashamed. Look what Christ has done for us. He talks about in Romans 2. He talks about how we all have, I mean, Romans 2, I mean, Romans 1, the end of 1, and also Romans 2, that the Gentiles are guilty of sin. And that's true, the, the Jews are guilty of sin. In Romans 3, the, you know, the passage talks about that no one is righteous, no, not one, or that all have went astray. Then the famous verse, Romans 3, 23, you know, for all have, I mean, for, um, for all have sinned and felt short of the glory of God. And so Paul comes to the clue that everybody sinned. So if you're sinned and slave to sin, you're dead in your sins from Ephesians. How can a dead thing bring himself to life? The way to choose something good. Again, I've mentioned this several times. I have done so many funerals, been in so many funerals. Again, I have never seen a dead person get up out of a casket and start walking and said, I'm alive. A dead person cannot bring themselves back to life. And so we are dead in sins. That's what we are actually enslaved to. Only until God awakens us by his spirit. He brings life into us. And Paul has said, that's what God done to the believers. That's what God done to this people in the church of Rome. That for those that are part of this church that are true believers, God has brought you from death to life. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you hold on to that. And so today's text, Paul now is trying to play this, you know, back and forth. He's trying to play this, hey, hey, um, asking these various questions. And he's still coming to the same conclusion is that we are assuring in Christ. But now he does about multiple questions to come to the same conclusion. So today we're going to do this in three points today. Do we continue in sin in verse 15, point number one? Point number two, he's going to give the first reason why we don't continue in sin. We are not a slave to sin anymore. Verse 16 and 19. In point number three, we're going to end with here. Paul is going to get a second reason why we don't continue to sin. We get eternal life. So to jump into point number one, do we continue in sin. This question right here from verse 15, what then come from, it kind of started from verse, go back to verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. So sin does not reign over us. Jesus reigns over us. Not sin reigns over us. Amen. We all used to be we all used to be enslaved to the law because we stayed breaking the law. And I'll talk more about this in point number two. But now we are assured in Christ because sin would never have dominion over us. It would never be a point of our time that sin would have dominion. Christ is our king. He will forever be our king. For, for those that are believers, he will truly be our king. Forever and ever and ever. Because to have a kingdom, it must be a king. To have a kingdom, it must be a people. That's good. And so with Christ being our king, his kingdom will be forevermore and will be his people forevermore, even in the midst of our failures. 
Our failure doesn't define if he's the king or not. As believers. Again, this is not working ourselves to God. This works righteousness. This is working ourselves to God by our own works. Christ has done it all. And he said, it is finished. He has done it all and it's complete. And so with Christ has done it all for us, it is complete that we are assured in Christ forever. Satan, no matter how much game or all these um, words he might try to tell us or all these things Satan might do to try to and let us know that, hey, Christ is not there for us, try to lie to us. No matter what Satan or even our flesh try to lie to us and tell us, nothing can take away from, from Christ. Nothing. Nothing can take us away. So now this question comes up in verse 15. What then? Like what's next? That if sin would never have dominion over us, we also are those who have been brought from death to life and your members to be to, to God an instrument for righteousness, one person would say is, so we cannot die a spiritual death again because we have been born to a newness of life and our bodies now will be seen as agents of righteousness. This reminds me of a graduate from UAPB. Once a graduate at UAPB, no one can take away that diploma. No matter where you move to in the world, that your name would still be in the register office as a graduate of University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Now, this is different, though. If someone go around and say, hey, I'm a graduate of UAPB, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, and they've never been there before. Yeah. That's different. Because someone can get on the phone and call the register office, hey, is such and such a graduate of this school? And they can come out and say, we don't have this person on record. But if a person has truly graduated from this college campus, they will always be a graduate of this college campus. And the thing, too, is, again, for those that are in Christ, again, we will always be in Christ. And I want to continue saying that we will always be in Christ. But Paul follows up with another question here. Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? And Paul comes and says, by no means. This question is getting that since we are assured by being under Christ's grace, can we just go ahead and just enjoy sin? We all believe in Christ now. So now can we just go ahead and enjoy sin? Nothing can take us away from his hand. We're assured in Christ. So I can go ahead and live however I want to live. We're under grace, so our sins is covered, so we can just live up with no worries, live out the faith with no worries. Many in our community feel this way. They might not say it or how, I just put it. I mean, many would say it here in our community, not just this community, I mean, all in the state of Arkansas, all around the world. Many would say that, hey, I am in Christ, right? He'll forgive me so I can go ahead and do what I want to do. Continue in sin because God will forgive us. Many believe that when they were five years old or even yesterday, 15 years old, that hey, they believed in Christ. 
So now I can live however I want to live. I'm going to go to heaven. And that's how most friends are. Everybody go to heaven. Everybody go to heaven. That's what a lot of people think. Paul tells that that by no means. He used this emphatic language and a lot of emphasis here like a declaration. A kid is running in front of a school bus. You're not going to say, hey, stop, Johnny. Johnny, you're going to get hit by the bus. Stop. What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to yell out, stop. A bus is coming. And Paul uses this emphatic language like, by no means. That you cannot continue in sin. Paul is yelling this out, by no means. That you cannot continue in sin. So if you continue to sin, you are a slave to the law. A lot of people have used this language as, like, once saved, always saved. You know, I'm always saved so I can just live a holly jolly sinful life. But but we see something different in Scripture. Say, once saved, and I always say, if saved. Right? Once saved, if saved. If you're truly in God, you're going to be in God. But if you're truly not of God and continuing your sins, you're not of God. But for those that believers, we don't continue in sin. We we fight sin daily, not by just our own strength, if you say we fight it. We fight it with the spirit of God is in us that helps us fight it, that helps us conform to his word. So we're going to move now to two, two reasons why we don't continue in sin. Paul's going to give us. Let's jump into point number two, the, the first reason here. We're not a slave to sin anymore. Paul asks another question in verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either a sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness? Paul is saying if you clock in at a job, you, 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 you put on a uniform at a job, you take orders at a job, you work at a job, you belong to that particular job. But if you clock in, but if you clock in, um, um, uh, um, well, I say in a, in a similar way, if you are obedient to sin, you are still a slave to sin. If everything I would say, you look like a duck, you cry like a duck, it's a duck, a duck, right? If you are obedient to sin, you're still a slave to sin. You might look good at times in a way of outwardly, but you are still a slave to sin. If you're obedient to righteousness, you're a slave to righteousness. And the only way we can be obedient to righteousness because someone hasn't been obedient for us. It's by Christ. And Paul reminds us who we are as believers truly enslaved to. But thanks, God, thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. We are slaves to righteousness. That's why we don't continue in sin. That's why Paul tells us that you were once slaves 
to sin, having become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching which you were committed. When Christ died on the cross, he bore our sins and he gave us eternal righteousness. We know this in several verses that talks about this. In Psalm 62, 1, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Acts 2, 21, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For those that are truly saved in God, for them, they once were a slave to sin, but now they have an obedient heart to the stand to the teaching when you were committed to Christ. So it's no way for a person to, to be once a slave and now I'm saying now to be once a slave and a slave again. If you were a slave to sin and you're a truly believer in Christ, you would never be enslaved again if you're truly a believer in Christ. If you still are enslaved to sin, you have always been enslaved to sin. And there's never been a time that you haven't been enslaved to sin. But for truly, for those that are truly in Christ, they would never be enslaved to sin anymore. And you might be thinking a question like, hey, I have struggled with sin lately. And, and I would say that we all in the room have fell into you know, temptation. We have fell into sin. It's a difference between someone falling into sin and someone being a slave to sin. It's a difference. A, a person that is continually enjoying their sin and doesn't have a fear towards God and not weeping over their sin, doesn't care about the holiness of God, you're not a believer. But for those that are a believer... For them, when they fall in sin, they look to grace. They look to Christ over and over again, looking to Christ. And they're praying to Christ. They're seeking him. And Christ gives reminds of them of his grace. There are so many other verses that deal with the salvation comes from the Lord. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Romans 10, 10. Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Christ has came. He has saved us from our evil ways. He has saved us even from ourselves. He has saved us from Satan. He has saved us. To himself. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. For us who have received salvation from Christ, we don't continue in sin. We don't continue in sin. That's what the name Christ Redeemer comes from. Our church name, when, I, when we when I came to this community, came back to this community, it was so many churches in our community, churches everywhere in our community. But why is it still so much violence, so much crime, so much brokenness? If it's thousands and thousands of Christians, the glory of gospel should reign supreme in our community because the believers are in this community. The believers, right, help reshape a community because now we are living our Christ command before everyone. So what is it, what is something that's not sounding right then? 
is that if we are truly in Christ in this community, it's a community of majority believers in Christ, our community should look different. But it doesn't look different at times. And that's what we thought about it, that if Christ truly redeemed us from our feudal ways, we should look different, and the world should see us looking different, and the world should be able to ask us the question of the hope that's in us. But the world doesn't ask us those questions because a lot of times we look like the world. But for those that are truly in Christ, we don't look like the world. We look different from the world. We just set apart from the world. Paul goes on in verse 19 and says, I'm just speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurities and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Paul is explaining all of this in terms that the Roman church can understand. This is like this contextualization. He is contextualized so that the Romans can really grasp that they are truly enslaved to righteousness now. That we can enjoy now being in Christ. We can die to self daily. We don't give in to the desires of the flesh. We're a joyful to honor Christ and all things and all situations he puts us in. Even with that boss at work, that God gives us exactly what we need. Sometimes we need certain people in our lives to help us conform to the image of the Son. So the Lord gives us certain things. That flat tire on the highway, help. A lot of times the Lord allows these things in our lives to conform us to the image of his son. For us to trust him. Not for him to turn his back on us, but for us to be reminded of the righteousness that we have in him. So if he is going to continue to make us righteous, sometimes he's going to put us through things and do, do things in our lives that we might feel is difficult, but family is for our good. A lot of times my kids, um, Liam got a chance to testify, a lot of times they don't want to go to bed on time. A lot of times they want to stay up all night. Sometimes I even catch Benaya up. I don't know how you do it. At 2 o'clock in the morning, he's looking at the wall. I'm like, what? It's dark. I'm like, what is the boy doing? And a lot of times they don't understand we said go to bed. And then the next morning I have to get up for school and get things done. They're tired and things like that. And they don't understand we're saying go to bed so they can be rested up and can be better useful for the next day. And a lot of times for us, even as believers, a lot of times we don't understand what the Lord is doing when trials and tribulation come our way. This part of that process and making us more like him. That trainer, right? That, that athlete that's training in track. You know, they're running and doing sit-ups. They're doing those things and they, the, the, the abs are burning. It's burning over and over and they're like, hey, coach, it's hurting, it's hurting. Then all of a sudden, the coach kind of over the months and months, the coach, he comes back to the coach and says, hey, coach, I won my race. And the coach said, hey, you remember all those times your abs were burning and you was actually working out and all those things you were struggling with? Now look what you have become. In the same way in the Christian life, 
you know, when we were working through those hard times, the Lord is using those things to conform us, sanctify us, and make us like him in his righteousness. Amen. So our first reason we don't sin is because we don't continue to sin because we're not a slave to sin anymore. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. The second thing as we end, the second reason why we don't continue sin, we get eternal life. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. When we're a slave to sin, we weren't enslaved to righteousness. We were against righteousness. So if anyone say that they've been a, they have been a believer all their lives, that's not true. We have never been a believer all of our lives. Because at once once a time that we all were enslaved to sin. Your sin was leading you to death. That was the fruit of your sin was death. One person says this. There was no fruit in the past sin, but only present shame. Moreover, uninterrupted, sins lead to death. In contrast, the fruit of becoming a servant of God is holiness and everlasting life. Let me read that again. There was no fruit or benefit in past sin, but only present shame. Moreover, uninterrupted sin leads to death. In contrast, the fruit of becoming a servant of God is holiness and everlasting life. But for us in Christ, things are different now. Tell us verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and is in eternal life. In the famous passage right here, for the ways of sin is death, but the free gift of God eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Family, we don't get death. We don't get death. Don't continue in sin, family. We get eternal life in Christ. We don't get death. And we can look around and we can even think about our old past lives. And I don't know if Paul Washer said it or someone that said, hey, if, if you know, we stood before God, he had a video of our whole lives. Just all the things would be on that video, right? All these sins and all these things, family, all those things in our past life, as when we were enslaved to sin, family, the beautiful picture is that all those things was nailed to the cross. Christ, he's the one that all the sin was imputed to him, was given over to him and placed on him. And for us, all the good things were placed on us. All the good things in Christ was imputed over to us. His righteousness. That we get Christ forevermore. We don't get death. We can celebrate today that we deserve death. We deserve punishment. But we get God's grace and his mercy. Amen. Our fruit leads to sanctification. And it ends up in eternal life. So everything that happens in the Christian life, it sanctifies us. It's not bad for us. It's good for us. Everything that happens in our lives as believers, God uses those things that's good for us. Even the worst moments, we feel like it's the worst moments. God doesn't make mistakes. God used every moment 
is redeemed by God and used for his goodness. I always use a song, um, you know, Liam used to say it in his um, college days. All we do is win, 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 no matter what. As believers, we win at every single moment of our lives. Well, this is not no Joe Austin stuff, y'all. But as believers, we truly win. Because Christ has won. It would never be a time in history that Christ lose. It would never be a time for believers that we would lose. We would never lose. So family, we can celebrate. When we're faced with trials, a lot of times we get so quick, we complain. We complain, we complain. Why does this happen to me? Why does this happen? Why those things happen? I come to church every Sunday. They haven't been in church in two years. They got a new car. All of these good things happen to them. They're not trusting God. I'm trusting God. And all of these bad things are happening. Family, for us believer, God knows what his children needs. He knows what his children needs. He knows. I can't go to the Piss family and, and just start saying, well, Trey J needs this. And I can't go to Shatera and say, well, this is what Khalil needs. And I can't go to their family because they know their key is better than me. They know their children better than me. Family, what about our God in heaven and us being his children? He knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen. But we act like we know it, right? We act like we know ourselves better, right, at times. But he knows us better than we know ourselves. So family, everything come our way, we count it all joy. Because it's preparing us for the eternal life in Christ. Let me read two quotes, and as we get ready to end, one person says, but for those who have been freed from sin and enslaved to God through faith in Jesus Christ, the benefit is sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. And salvation, God not only frees us from sin's ultimate penalty, but frees us, us from his present tyranny. Second thing. If free, free from sin does not mean that believers no longer capable of sinning, but that he is no longer enslaved to sin, no longer is helpless subject. Talking about us being enslaved to sin, we're no longer is helpless subject anymore. The freedom from sin about which Paul is speaking here is not a long range objective or an ultimate deal, ideal, but an already accomplished fact. Without exception, every person who trusts in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is free from sin and enslaved to God. Obviously, some believers are more faithful and obedient than others, but Christians are equally free from bondage to sin and equally enslaved to God. Equally granted sanctification and equally granted eternal life. Family, we don't get death. We get life. And one more quote. I want to mention one more. And it's gonna, I'm going to shorten this one up. Jesus Christ is not looking for people who want to add him to their sin as insurance against hell. He is not looking for people who want to apply his high, more principle to their ungenerate lives. He is not looking for those who want only to be outwardly reformed by having their old nature improved. Jesus Christ calls to himself those who are willing to be inwardly transformed by him, who desire 
an entirely new nature that is created in his, in his own holy likeness. He called to himself those who are willing to change their sinfulness for his holiness. He called to himself those who are willing to die with him in order to be raised with him, who are willing to relinquish slavery to their sin for slavery to his righteousness. And when men come to him on his terms, he changes their destiny from eternal death to eternal life. The former is deserved, deserved while the latter is undeserved, though freely bestowed through the meditation of Christ. So family, for us, knowing that we, we wasn't seeking after God, only way we can have this life is first God bringing us from death to life. So those who's going to call upon him, those who that, 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 that seek or are willing to follow out him, those are the ones that he already regenerated. Before the foundation of the world, he was going to call to himself. So let's end here with a couple applications. Family here, we don't continue in sin at CTRC. We fight our sin daily. We don't give any excuses. We don't give any excuses. Well, my boss was so hard. We don't have give any excuses for us to sin. He or she didn't make you sin. Your parents or friend didn't make you sin. Again, your boss didn't make you sin. But those things before us, our bosses, our parents, our friends, those are the people the Lord was able to use to show us what was already in us. So we don't point finger that this person made me do this. Though this was our own heart that God is still conforming to the image of his son. That God used and allowed those people to be used to show us who we truly are at times. So family, we take ownership. We call sin for what it is. Sin is sin. Second thing, living out the Christian life, it is hard. It is hard. It will be many that try to entice us to sin or many things that might try to entice us to sin. It's going to be hard in the Christian life. But we must flee from those things. We must flee from it. I'm trying to cut down on sugar right now. It's something about sugar and butter on rice. Ooh, something, something to speak about. I'm trying to cut all it, but I know that the taste of it, right, it try to bring me back in. And even with sin, sometimes it try to present itself as tasteful, delightful, but family, it's not. It's not. Flee from it. Don't entertain it. Run from it. Just keep running. You know the movie Forrest Gump? He's just running and running. Run from sin. Run. Don't look back and just run. Get rid of it. Run. And I know it's going to be hard, but run from it. The last thing. Last application here. When things get hard, remember this. The ways of sin is death. Family, we get heaven and not hell. One day, we're going to get heaven. Heaven, heaven is not so special if God is not there. What makes heaven so good if God is there? And God is glorious right there. And God sits on his throne in heaven. Family, when we say we get heaven, we get God. We get him forever and ever and ever. And there's nothing in this world can even compare 
to what we get in God. Nothing is delightful as more than how God is delightful. Nothing can compare to him. And family, we get him from eternity, eternity, and eternity. We're going to get God. Around his throne, all tribes and nations singing together in all types of tunes and worshiping God. Around his throne, we're going to get him and our pleasure it's going to be in him forevermore. And we're not going to long after these things in this world because he's going to give us a new body that's redeemed him himself. Not this old flesh that points to these things in this world. Shatera's patting the head ain't you over this. We're going to get that new hair. We're going to get everything new in Christ. <laughs> and by we getting those things, and nothing is going to take us away from Christ forevermore. So as believers, we don't continue to sin because now Christ has redeemed us from sin and we're going to get God forevermore. Amen. Let us pray.